Welcome back to We Have the Numbers. Tonight, the challenge experienced a purge. We lost three women in just a single evening. And I was thinking about it, and that hasn't happened since the last time Pat walked into a bar before quarantine. We also had our first safety DQ, whatever that is, and a nice change of scenery as the house got to trade derelict Soviet buildings for sewers. Before we get into all of that, just one more reminder to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify if you haven't already. We really appreciate all of the love and giving us five stars will do wonders for us. So Pat and Trevor, you guys have been in a lake house in Kentucky this week. So tonight's episode for all of us will be a battle against rural internet and your sobriety. And I can tell from the 15 minutes it took you guys to figure out audio that we've already lost one of those battles. So instead, I'm going to start with Cindy. So Cindy, let's say goodbye to our first fallen soldier of the season, Big T. She had three stitches in her foot from what seemed like a pretty benign chair injury And TJ said she was not medically fit to continue, so they sent her home. And it was a pretty unceremonious exit. Do you think we'll see her again on the challenge? Yeah, so the way they were building it up, I thought there might have been some crazy reason they would let her stay. But they were just like, oh, no, we're going to build it up and then buy Big T. Um, But I really do think we'll see her on future seasons. She seemed to be a really well-liked cast member, like amongst the people in the house. And people like on Twitter and Instagram and all that seem to really enjoy her too. I would say we haven't seen a ton of her abilities like competition wise, but just for like entertainment value, I think she was a pretty good addition to the franchise in general. Yeah. It feels like the producers need to throw one or two buffer people into the house each season. So like people who are nice and have, you know, pretty gentle demeanor just to diffuse all the other bullshit that happens for 25 weeks or whatever it is. So the scene opens and we're in, we're in the house and it's a female elimination day. And the cast members clearly have a feeling that it might be a double elimination day. We already knew because we're on Instagram all day, every single day during COVID. And D is scheming. And she tells Rogan that if he gets in the, tri- or sorry, if she gets in the tribunal, she wants to make a move and throw Jenny in. Jenny, again, is the best competitor in the house, already has a red skull. And she's already told Jenny and Rogan that they are both her number ones. So Justin, how bad is D at the challenge? <laughs> so I have a couple <laughs> points about this. She uh, so first off, if you're going to go and try and turn on Jenny, Rogan is probably the worst person in the house to do that. They both have red skulls, and Rogan needs protection. He's not going to turn on the strongest woman in the house. That's just a stupid move on her part. Second, D thinks she's really smart. She thinks she is so smart, and she's so good at challenges. And it's only been one season where it was pretty much the consensus that she wasn't very good, that she was at, at best average at challenges, and she just happened to win with, on a pretty strong team. Everybody's really surprised that she was even able to hang in with them. So she's gone a complete 180. I don't think that she's that good, and I think she's just a little bit over her skis. Even Wes has been like, I don't even – I think I'm creating a monster. She's gone too far. And that was pretty good foreshadowing for us at the beginning because – D's very weird strategy would come back to bite her, even if it didn't send her home in this episode. It certainly seems like there's some tension now between her and Jenny, and, and we'll talk about that in a bit. So we, we got into the challenge pretty quickly. It's called Tunnel Rats, and TJ gives us the news that it is indeed a double elimination, which, again, with Big T going home because of her injury, it's a triple, triple elimination. We're losing three women in one episode. And the challenge is pretty straightforward. 
these people are dropped into quote unquote sewage tunnels, which is essentially just underground tunnels with some cold water. There are puzzle pieces in what's like a dark swimming pool. They bring back five pieces as a team. They solve the puzzle and the team with the fastest time forms a tribunal. So the challenge to me at least didn't seem really hard. There've been some more intense and difficult challenges in past episodes this season, but immediately we see that Melissa is freaked out and paranoid. Nelson almost drowns. And then Swaggy is at such a high risk for literally drowning that he has to get safety disqualified. And I thought this was super lame because not only did he get safety disqualified, but he had the chance to come back and help his team with the puzzle, which he still managed to brick. So Trevor, you were texting us during this and you had your tinfoil hat on. Hit us with a conspiracy theory. I think it is so very clear that Swaggy is in very deep with the KC Mafia. It is Wes and Bailey and Swaggy, and they run Kansas City like nothing we've ever seen before. And he immediately sees Bailey and Wes on the same team, and he, it doesn't have to be discussed. It's already, we throw the challenge to give the best odds to have two of those folks on the tribunal, and he just fakes that it's a safety issue. Swaggy, we know you can swim. We know you're good at puzzles. You're not fooling anyone at this point. It is the most blatant throwing of a challenge I think I've seen in the the two seasons that I've watched. Is anybody else buying that? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I I am. This isn't just because I'm sitting within three inches of Trevor, which hopefully this this, uh, video makes its way out. But what's wild to me is they never came back to it. That guy can swim. That guy is, is super athletic absolutely a throw and the fact that it wasn't exposed is uh absolute challenge insanity he cannot six, believe it he's six four he can touch the bottom at that point <laughs> honestly yeah uh, especially when we've had past accusations this season of like anisa throwing the challenge but it was very clear that anisa didn't throw the challenge swaggy got in there and was flapping around and I don't know if he's a good actor or what, but I, it didn't cross my mind at first until you brought it up, Trevor, but I think I'm with the two of you. There's some, there's some weird scheming going on, especially during a women's elimination day when he doesn't want his fiance to go in. I can't believe Josh didn't call him out for it. They were on the same team. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Well, if if anyone was fooled, it was Josh. (laughs) (laughs) We'll, we'll get to Josh and bullying in a minute as well, Pat. Uh, but yeah, it, it was strange. Josh just seemed to be kind of caught up in the moment and not mad at Swaggy for not being able to swim, but just kind of angry that he got railroaded during the puzzle making, which his team failed miserably at. And at the end of this, uh, among the four teams, the team of Bailey, Nani, D, Wes, and Corey, Wes is just really a cheat code in a challenge like this because he's such a strong swimmer and such a good puzzle doer. They ended up winning and they formed the tribunal. And we get back to the house and the house vote is the most seamless that we've seen so far. Uh, Just playing the numbers game with three in the tribunal and only uh, seven girls left in the house. The tribunal needs to pick a few. The house needs to pick a few. So essentially of the seven girls at risk, six are going to be up for potential elimination. So there's really a lot at stake, but it goes quickly. Casey nominates herself. And then Anissa nominates herself. So uh, not a lot to talk about there, but I actually want to go back to what Pat just did and what we've seen throughout many seasons of the challenge, especially this one. And that's this idea of Josh and bullying. I thought 
at the beginning of this episode, at least that Josh kind of had some good points. He did extra swimming. So he was the strongest member of his team, even though that team failed. He was right that during the puzzle, shit was being handled very poorly by some of the more dominant personalities on his team. And honestly, uh, once Casey and Anissa voted themselves in, he made a pretty astute point that the tribunal may use this as an opportunity to throw some stronger women in and see if they could eliminate at least one or two strong girls. Wes, meanwhile, came out on social this week saying that people really need to stop the verbal abuse against Josh on social, in person, wherever it may be. So Cindy, I have a soft spot uh, now in my heart for Josh and for people who are being bullied. And at this point of the episode, do you think we were becoming a a pro-Josh podcast? I think we've been going back and forth almost all season, but I would still say we're pretty split on this. And I think Josh does, like, he's trying to make good points and he's trying to be more rational about the game. But I really think it's the way that he, like, goes about trying to prove his points that really rubs people the wrong way. And I was telling Justin, he really reminds me of like the youngest brother of five that's like always shouting at people and trying to be heard, but nobody will listen. So he's like yelling and whining and he just immediately gets loud, but then like always loses and still has to go whine to mom and dad that his brothers and sisters are being mean to him kind of thing. So I think it's the way he like goes about trying to do these things that just like really sets people off. We, we got to get our research intern out there to figure out if Josh really is the youngest of five, because I think you, you could be exactly right. And you and Justin, I mean, it bothers all of us, but you and Justin, especially the way that Josh speaks and whines really gets to you. But I'm still going to stand firm that, again, very specifically saying at that point in the episode, I was leaning toward Josh's side a bit. He was making some good points, and I thought that he was unfairly uh, at the receiving end of some aggression from members of, of the house. So then we're, we're back at the house. The house vote has happened. And Bailey, Nani, and Dee, the three women in the tribunal, begin scheming again. And they're talking about throwing Jenny in. And this is being led by Dee. And Dee, classic Dee, wants Jenny in an elimination, but she doesn't want to say her name. So she wants other people to do the dirty work for her. Meanwhile, Rogan spills the beans about all of this to Jenny. And Jenny, who is a very scary person, gets pissed. Finally, some comeuppance for D. Pat, how much did you love this? I couldn't believe it. I, my, my thing is, like, so her, she is Wes's protege, right? Wes is one of the smartest players in the game of all time. How is this a smart move? What does she have to gain from putting Jenny in? No one's going to beat Jenny. She's just going to, someone will lose to her. So, and she'll come back at you. It, it, it didn't make any sense to me. I was super happy that she got exposed, kind of, I guess, but like it didn't work out for really frustrated me. So I, I, I think the only explanation could possibly be that D has misconstrued what it is to be Midwestern passive aggressive. And is just trying to find an outlet to express that. And she's obviously she's quarantined in Kansas City, but she hasn't fully grasped it. So that's that's the only thing I could say to that. And and, and Trevor, her cultural immersion in, in Kansas City has been very public uh, on her Instagram page. It's not just the you know the, the the Midwest demeanor that's gotten her. She's also become addicted apparently to Little Debbie Donuts. So she's really uh, she's really going all in now that she's in the the heartland and. Yeah, I think she failed her first test at acting like a, a true Midwesterner. So Rogan, true bro, goes to Jenny, tells her what's going on, and then we have our night out. 
And Jenny is off in a corner getting pretty worked up about Dee's trickery, but doesn't really act on it. But the real fireworks happen between Josh and Swaggy C. So Josh and Bananas are just talking about people being hypocritical in general, which is just, you know, of course, that's just what any two people on the challenge would talk about in, at the hangar. And Swaggy just slides in really uncomfortably close, like Trevor and Pat right now on the podcast close, and just immediately starts talking shit about Josh. I don't even know what the fight is about. I tried to pay attention. I tried to rewatch it. I still don't really understand what they, what they got angry about or what Swaggy was, was mentioning to Josh. But Josh, of course, gets really animated. And they're saying some things back and forth. Swaggy calls him a pussy because, of course, he does. And then Swaggy stands up and does that pump fake with his head, just like a real tough guy move. And Josh, in response, throws a drink. They then have pull me back guys. Josh stands on a bar. He needs Kyle to get him down. But Justin, uh, after throwing a drink, were we then no longer a pro Josh podcast? And it's gone. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't really ever in on Josh, but yeah, like, I mean, he threw a drink. I thought Swaggy was actually the more douchey of the two in this, in that whole encounter. I thought he was a try hard the entire time and then waited for security. He had, Great timing. Waited for three security guards to get in between him, and then he really got after Josh. Made sure that he he couldn't actually punch him or anything. Josh climbed on a but, bar. Yeah, well, I didn't say that Josh was awesome. Way I just than thought this way. That's true. It's probably true. So, and, and, and Trevor, we now have multiple cases throughout this season of Americans just being absolutely insane at bars. It's it's really too many to count. But Nelson was acting up. Nani was blackout drunk uh, during the Stella episode where she tried to get Casey in the bathroom. And now we have Josh, an adult man, standing on a bar after throwing a drink. So what does this say about how much superior British pub culture is to whatever it is that we have in America? To our earlier discussion about Nani and how she was the assigned blame drunk. It's It's never her fault drunk. I, I'm a certified emotional boy. I think a lot of these British guys are certified emotional boys. And even when they act out or get too hyped up, they still claim it. And they still say, I'm sorry, mate. I had too many. I did yada, 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 X, Y, Z. And they own it. I think when you're looking at the American pub culture and the British pub culture, there is a level of blackout where it's no matter your actions, you still own it as a Brit. If you're an American maybe it wasn't your fault still. And I sort of think that's the dividing line. Yeah, and every week, one of us texts in the group thread how much we want to hang out with Rogan or Kyle. Because those dudes, they go to the pub, they have some beers, they're laughing, they're smiling, they're telling jokes, they're everybody's friend. They're not off in a corner talking about who, who in the house is a hypocrite. Like, the pub is sacred. The, the pub is, is Britain's church, right? That's, that's what we learned about in, in school, at least in the States. But... You know, what happens in the real world when you aren't the only person at the bar and you don't have a bunch of security guards ready to carry you away from the child is that if you act up, you get thrown out of the bar. And that got us thinking that, you know, uh, if we were going to go out with some of these castmates, we could get into some trouble. So on this week's episode of When I Say Go, I want you to tell me which castmate is most likely to get thrown out of a bar with you and for what reason. Trevor, we'll go back to you to start. Oh, you're going to start with me. So so I'm 19 years old. I've just taken the nine-hour drive down to New Orleans, and I'm black the fuck out. Um, I'm staying at someone's house in 
um, you know, I don't know, magazine district or something. And I'm, I'm, I'm zonked and I'm eating some fries on, on Bourbon Street from Popeye's Kitchen on Bourbon. Um, I haven't really understood the Louisiana or New Orleans culture yet. So I'm still stuck and locked in on bourbon. And this really drunk chick walks next to me and she starts chirping at me. And I said, what, you want to fry? We then sit down on the curb and it is basically a fucking sewer. There's someone's bridge of their incisors floating down the lane with us. There's some dip spit, some other bodily fluids. And we're basically ass deep in a sewer um, but we're sharing some Popeye's fries and we're sharing a moment. We're sort of talking it out. So not only has Maddie been in the sewer before, but she's been in the sewer with me before. I I love that. Uh, do you want to fry is a really good aggressive pickup line or way to make a new friend. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, Matt, Matt, Maddie's definitely been in a sewer before. So I, I, I could see you're getting thrown out of a bar with you. Justin, can you top that story? No. So my pick is going to be a Absolutely little not. <laughs> surprising, I think. I'm going, to, I'm going to pick Anissa. So let me set the scene for you. I'm old. I look old. I enjoy old people things. I go to bed early. I have a dog now. We don't stay out that late. Say we're out for a nice evening with friends. Maybe we haven't seen them in a while. We're reminiscing. We're talking about old times. Two drinks become five drinks, become 10 drinks. We go to a second bar. We go to a third bar. It's only 1130. We started really early. And before you know it, your boy is hammered. And I start mouthing off as I, as I do from time to time. And Anissa steps in, tries to defuse the situation, gets between me and this bro that I was jawing at. And maybe that guy starts talking smack to me a little bit more. And maybe he says something at Anissa that's unkind and sets her off in the wrong way. And she, bang, puts him up against a wall. And at that point, Security comes in, they escort us out. But as we walk out, the, the security's like, they give her a little bit of a smile because they know that she was right and that guy was an asshole and that she's just taking care of me. You, you should be a script writer. I, I have that scene burned into my head and I can see Anissa as exactly that person. Like she'll devote the first few seconds certainly to trying to break up that fight in a calm way. But the second she's wronged by either member of, of that spat, She's going after that person with the fury. Oh, of, yeah. I could have been on the wall for sure. I could have been. I got it, if I stepped out of line. Could have been anyone. So, so Cindy, I, I can't even imagine you being in a situation where you'd be thrown out of a bar. Like, I've, I've seen you put down some alcohol before, but usually uh, you keep it together. So, I imagine this has to be a, a pretty special person in a pretty special situation. So, I'm just going to take Justin's story and spin off of it a little bit. Since my person is going to be Nani. So Nani, Anissa, Justin, and I, we're all hanging out, going out to the bars. And what happens to Cindy when she gets too drunk is she spills shit everywhere. So I'm going to go ahead and get thrown out of a bar because I am trying to take shots and accidentally spill on somebody else, which then starts a confrontation. And Nani's also had a few drinks, which we know then she can become confrontational. So while this other person's coming at me, Nani steps in confronts them, threatens to kick their ass, and then we've got a fight, and we're, we're out. I know that your relationship with Justin is so strong because you guys merged these uh, fantasy scenarios of going out and getting thrown out of the bar with reality TV show contestants. That's really a beautiful thing, and uh, it's certainly something I <laughs> aspire to in, in my marriage. Whew, Pat, I feel like you have a lot of real world experiences to draw from with this one. So I'm, I'm curious to see which direction you go in. Wow. 
uh, shots fired bomb. That's, that's not true. That this has never happened. Um, all right. So I, I <laughs> never happened. So I, I have a very vivid uh, image of this because I've been having really weird dreams. And uh, two nights ago, I was invited to a Arsenal training thing in my dream. And it was just me and the diehard fans and we all drank. And it was great. So what I imagine is me and Kyle going to a football game or a soccer game, as they say against Tottenham, which is uh, the team that I root for's biggest rival. And we get into, I don't know if you've ever seen a football game, but the, uh, the rivalries run deep and shit's weird. And after the game, we get into it with some boys at the pub. And uh, I attempt to break it up, get punched in the face, and Kyle ends the fight, reconstructs someone's face, and we get kicked out of the pub. And uh, it's a great memory. Honestly, can we make this happen? This sounds great. Can we bring back sports? Can we bring back? Let's make sports happen. That sounds so much fun. Can you? Can we confirm that Kyle's capable of doing that to somebody's face? So I, I feel like in this scenario, when you've got freaking massive Fessy, six foot four Chattanooga number one tight end, it's you know it, it's tough. But when you have Kyle versus some scrawny uh, East, well, in this case, North London guy. I feel like he could take him, and I can't, but he can. I like he wouldn't mouth off to Kyle about football either. Yeah, he he was getting me a, a Guinness from the bar and uh, turns around and, and takes somebody with him. And that's Pat's soccer wet dream, everybody. Great, great <laughs> answers. <laughs> and, and, I, and that was talking familiarly to your boy. I, I, I love as <laughs> we have the numbers progresses, how much time and research it seems like you guys are increasingly putting in to your when I say go answers. It's uh, it's very hard to decide who won, and I'm not going to pick a, a winner today. You're you're all winners. But Pat's Pat's fantasy was very vivid, and I really hope we can make that happen one time. Kyle, if you're listening, please hit up Pat. He needs something like that in his life right now. So getting back into tonight's episode of The Challenge, uh, it feels like every week I kind of gloss over what happens with the house vote and what happens with the tribunal. But I don't know about you guys, but in, in my mind, those things are typically pretty boring. Like the tribunal, especially with five people, it's a lot of nothing that's said. But the tribunal eventually picks Jenny, Kayla, Jenny, and Melissa or Jenna and Melissa. I know I said Jenny twice. It's very confusing having both of them in the house. And that sounds like murderer's row, but again, it's because there just aren't that many people to choose from. So Maddie is the one who's left out of this whole kerfuffle, which makes sense because she's a a pretty intimidating figure. And there's a little bit of tribunal deliberation. I think the highlight is probably when Jenny is speaking with Dee and kind of confused about why she's in there and is making it known that it doesn't make sense for them to put her in. And the editors are trying to build it up like they're still going to vote her in and try to have a strong on strong woman elimination, but we don't know what's going to happen. Then we get into the, the double elimination and TJ asks D and Nani and Bailey, if any of them want to go in, of course they don't. And D is too chicken shit to vote in Jenny. So they end up voting for Kayla and they vote in uh, Jenna. So Pat, TJ tells us at the end that we're now more than halfway through. These people need Red Skulls to go in. And you have 
Casey in there, who's a rookie, pretty strong, but she's a rookie. And you have Anissa who, you know, Anissa's seen better days physically for sure. So what the hell are Nani and Bailey waiting for? We love Anissa. You do, especially because she's on your fantasy team. But to me, that feels like about as good of a matchup as they could possibly get. I, look, I, and I love Anissa. OG, just absolute monster. And uh, spoiler, get, gets the job done. But I, I don't have an answer for you. I have no answer here. This is outside of Melissa, who's still left. There's no more, and I... I will not use the word layup because there was, there were some W's going around, but there's no bigger layup than these two like this. If you're going to go in, this is the time. And I do not have a good answer for why neither of them committed. And I think it will be a mistake in the future. I was especially interested in why Nani didn't go in because they ended up voting in her two best friends in Jenna and Kayla. So if those two are at risk of going home, her alliance is shattered and she doesn't get to call the shots anymore. So this really may be her last chance to determine her own fate. And it seemed like a weird decision, but she didn't do that. Everybody opted out. And instead it was Casey versus Kayla and Anissa versus Jenna. This is a very simple elimination to explain. They're both in dumpsters. There's a bunch of heavy balls in the dumpsters. They have to lift the heavy balls out of the dumpsters as quickly as possible. And they have to set off a firework. So Justin uh, gave a shout out to the pyro guy. We, we are really glad he got to find his way back into, into this episode. So uh, the first one happens and Casey just absolutely smokes Kayla. Not even a competition. Casey is, is a monster. We know she used to play in a professional women's football league. She's not very big, but she's really strong and really fast. So Kayla goes home. She gets to follow Bear uh, out of purgatory. And then Jenna looks like she gets off to a hot start, but I get a little worried because she's lifting with her back, uh, which is not a good sign for a lifting competition. And then Anissa is pretty consistent and mounts what at least uh, appears to be a comeback. And she puts together a solid elimination victory. So Jenna has to go home and mend her relationship with Zach, but we are all very grateful. We do not have to see any more of those FaceTime calls because they were excruciating to watch. So Cindy, it really felt like a long time since we got any info about the ladies in the house. So was there anything that you learned from today's episode about uh, the female competition that's remaining? The biggest thing we confirmed is that Casey is actually a beast. She hammered that challenge and was amazing. Um, Another thing is that we really see how highly Dee thinks of herself as a competitor in this competition. Um, And even says after... Um, the Casey versus Kayla matchup that she really underestimated Casey as a player, which I find that kind of hard looking at her. Like she looks like she's an athlete and would be really good. And then the third thing that I thought we learned was that a a lot of these alliances that seemed really strong really aren't at all. Um, Nani, I thought Nani and Jenna were really pretty close, but Nani was definitely out on the Jenna Zach bullshit. I think as we all were, and I'm sure it's exhausting to listen to. Um, but then I'm really excited to see what happens with Jenny and Dee. Um, obviously, because Jenny's on my team and hopefully she scores me some drama points. But I really think things are going to go down between Jenny and Dee um, as the season goes on. I hope so. I'm, I'm ready for the Dee reckoning. Uh, she's been featured prominently. I don't love her strategy. We're all a bit annoyed by the social media presence, even though 
we try not to focus too much on that. And it would honestly make for some really good drama if, if she managed to, to stir up Jenny, who's normally pretty even keeled. So I'm going to throw a surprise question at you guys. Uh, TJ tells us at the end of the episode that we're over halfway there. And he tells everybody, listen, there aren't that many Red Skulls out there. And if you want to run in his final, you got to go out and get a Red Skull. We can't believe that we're already over halfway. We're having a great time. We want you to continue to join us on We Have the Numbers. But for all of you guys, uh, I'm curious to hear if you have any bold predictions. Give me one bold or not so bold prediction for the rest of the season. And Justin, we can start with you. Wow. Okay. Um, take, you guys can you guys can take a second, and I'll edit this out. Just pause. No, don't don't take a second. Don't edit this out, Justin. It's a let's fire go. question. Just throw at us. Let's run. No, I, I want this in the podcast. <laughs> okay. No. So my bold prediction is that I don't think that Jenny is very good at politicking, and I actually think that she's going to lose this confrontation with D. I think that. I think Jenny's going to end up in purgatory. She's going to get thrown in by D and her coalition. And then it, it's not going to be a super physical challenge and she's going to end up losing. So I, 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 I love that. He doesn't politic at all. She has no idea what I, she's doing. I, when I was watching the episode today, I was like, oh my God, she may have to politic. And I've literally never seen it happen. The thing is, even with a, puzzle that they it's never it's almost never strictly a puzzle and i just don't know who she's gonna lose to yeah i i I totally agree i think she's so dominant that there is no chance that she loses she doesn't need to politic um she got ran over by tory twice in a row last year she's not like in in, she's not invincible you're saying casey couldn't do that casey could have ran her over too Pat, give me your uh, big prediction. Uh, my big prediction is that Josh is going to flame. I'm just kidding. He's going to flame out. Uh, my <laughs> my actual big prediction. <laughs> my actual big prediction is that both Swaggy and Bailey, and I don't know if it's that big, but I think they both make it to the final. I think they're both sneaky strong. No rookies have made it this far without a vote against them. It's a different game, but I think they're pretty strong and i i think they have longevity trevor yeah i, I don't want to ride ride pat's coattails here, but i think we are going to see a weird amount of rookies in the final i think it's not crazy to see casey be in the final bailey swaggy fessy i think they're they're swaggy is like trying to get into the drama and it's still not that strong these rookies are just good performers now and I think the vets are kind of like weirdly threatened by them. That's why D might be starting to, you know, start beef with Jenny because maybe she's actually more afraid of some of the the rookies. Mm. And Cindy, anything from you? So as much as I hate to admit it, I kind of fear that D might make it all the way to the end. I go back and forth with this one because of the editing and like the producers really seem to be playing up that like she's going for these back to back wins, but. I don't know. Something in me just feels like she's going to be going all the way. At least make it to the final. I don't know that she'll necessarily win. I'm going to give you mine. And mine is based on the editing as well. I think Kyle is going to make a really deep run this season. We are hearing a shockingly low amount from Kyle, excluding last week's episode where he had the blow up with Nelson. 
Kyle looks strong to me. He seems to be buddied up with all of the Brits. He seems to be buddied up with West. They kind of had that joking moment when they came back from last, last week's elimination and Kyle knew that West wasn't going to throw him in. I think Kyle might actually have some magic in him this year. And I might just be willing a shocking victory uh, into existence for my team. Maybe Kyle goes out next week. I have no idea, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of uh, w- with Cindy's prediction there on a surprising person who, who may make a deep run. I mean, that's probably, that's, I think it's a good guess. I mean, he's, he hasn't been featured at all, which is weird for somebody who has been featured so heavily in prior seasons. So they, they have no problem showing him. So I think they're, they're back loading whatever he has. And he's always been surprisingly strong. He, he made it to the final and did really well in vendettas. And he looks much bigger than he did in, in prior we've seasons. We've seen him run a strong final before and he's in better shape. So I, I think that's a good call. Yeah, I think one of the big winners of, of this season is definitely steroids. There are some juicy looking dudes in that house. Uh, Kyle definitely falls into that group. And uh, I can only hope if you care about our fantasy team still, because we sure do, make sure to check out our scores every week on at we have the numbers pod on Instagram. Justin does a great job of putting the scoreboard together each and every week. And it's becoming a pretty close race between everybody except for Justin, ironically. So uh, maybe yeah. you'll have a... a Zach, do you, do you, do you want to bet a uh, bananas t-shirt right now on yeah. the outcome? Yeah. All right. And, and, and it's, it's in gospel. It's on the podcast, bananas t-shirt to the winner of fantasy. Live and, gambling. Yep. And we've already excluded the other three of you because you guys are doing terribly. <laughs> We're going to get close about the podcast because of this exact moment. I don't even, I don't even like fantasy. I, I'm not even following my team uh-huh. anymore. I don't uh-huh. even care. I'm working on the show. I'm, I'm, I'm playing video I'm games. Playing 2K. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's, let's finish the episode with one more round, Robin. This is how we finish each and every episode of We Have the Numbers. I want you guys to pick your star or stars of the episode. And Pat, you're the drunkest one. You've had the most fun tonight. We, it only makes sense to begin with you. Mom, I'm actually, no, that's, I'm, I'm probably the drunkest. Sorry, mom. Um, so uh, my start of the episode is Nelson because we didn't see him. We saw him maybe once the entire episode. <laughs> and that is where Nelson needs to be on every episode if he wants to make a final. Not being a dick. So uh, my my star of the episode, Nelson, congratulations. You avoided screwing anything up. You made it through. I'm not certain you're still on the show, but I'm pretty sure. And way to go. You don't have to apologize if you don't open your mouth. People forget that. But it's a, it's a, it's a great strategy. Good work, Nelson. He has his red skull and now he's chilling. Cindy, what about your stars? So this wasn't a star, but I definitely wanted to give a shout out to the chessboard because it has been a star in the past. And it made a sneaky little appearance at the beginning when I don't know what the hell Josh was doing with it, but he's like carrying it and picking up half the pieces as he's walking. And nothing is said about it. They just like show him walking through with the chessboard, dropping everything, and then it's done. But shout out to the chessboard for making its way back into the season. Um, but my star of the episode was um, the song Closing Time by Semisonic, um, playing as they leave the bar. And I thought it was just the perfect song to be playing as Kyle lifts Josh off the bar like a little toddler on the counter. But the edit, I think, got a little weird as they like suddenly get all emotional and go to the sunrise and the beautiful landscape of the missiles and the 
dirt around the bunker, but I thought it was a, a great pick for that moment. I, I love that song. Every time I hear that song, it doesn't matter where I am or what time of day it is or whether some drunk guy just stood on a bar in a reality TV show or it was in a sad movie. I just want to sing it as loud as I possibly can. I wish they played that song in the bar and we could have seen Rogan and Kyle with their arms around each other singing it as loud as they possibly could have. That, that would have honestly made me cry, I think. Uh, Trevor, what was your star? Yeah, my star was, was it jumped out to me. Uh, when, when they began the challenge, um, I saw them plummet into the Czech sewage system. And the Czech plumbing and sewage system has a very pl- uh, special place in my heart. Um, when I was a child, uh, um, at age six, we had a very strict house rule. There wasn't a lot of rules in our house. It was about you know responsibility and accountability. But one rule was, if we turn on the shower or bath and the water runs brown for over two minutes, you don't have to bathe at night. Um, and as a six-year-old, I was not looking forward to my bath. And it was alarmingly frequent that the water just was straight brown for two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight minutes. Uh, it really never became clear. So I do have very fond memories. And I owe a lot to the the Czech plumage and, and sewing system for for giving me very dirty water and allowing me to only take about six to seven baths in my entire childhood. You might have the strongest immune system in the entire world from what you were put through as a child of the Czech Republic. I mean, this is this is crazy. You'd never need another shot again for the rest of your life. That's uh, I mean, tuberculosis and bacteria in every orifice. I mean, that that about checks every box and any. <laughs> doctor or you know, immunologist would ever ask for. Justin, sorry to make you go after another check anecdote, but you, you got to try. Yeah. So I have two. The first one is a little bit of an anti-hero for the episode. I So I was very pleased that they got to go to a different bar. So that this ups the number of places they've been to to three. That was great. And while they were sitting there, Bananas was holding court in this booth. He was like laid back chilling, just talking with everybody. But the entire time he was wearing this parka inside. It's that's like my nightmare. I would have been hot immediately. I've been complaining about how hot hot it was. I would have been requesting ice water to the table. There's no way I would have gotten through the entire night wearing a coat. That's insane. Anyway, (laughs) off my chest. Second one. So in the, in the, the dust up between Swaggy and Josh, you said that Kyle was was instrumental in getting Josh off the bar. My star of the episode is actually the bartender who Josh gets up and starts screaming. And the bartender just goes over and is like, Come, you can't be up there, man. Come on. And it, it reminded me, it reminded me of a story that Pat told me on Halloween. So he went, he went as uh, the guy from Stranger Things, Steve. He went as Steve from Stranger Things because he also has great hair. And he showed up with a spiked bat. And the bouncer was just like, Pat. He didn't say Pat. He didn't know Pat's name. But he's like, God, you can't bring that in here. <laughs> and Pat's like, you're absolutely right. I'm so sorry. Yeah, Pat trying to get into the club with a spiked baseball bat. The, the spikes are actual spikes, correct? Like they're real nails. No, no, no. No, they were. <laughs> oh, they were. Yeah, I thought so. My mom, like, can we stop targeting me? My mom <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, this is this is this is not not the episode for for Mrs. Whalen if she's out there. We're we're sorry. 
Sorry, mom. But I did. No, no, I, I, I hammered the nails into it. And I just I, I'm not entirely sure why I thought it'd be fine. But uh, the people at Necto, sweet people at Necto Ann Arbor were like, sir, you simply cannot bring that in there. And I was like, you're absolutely right. Can I actually leave it here? And they were like, yeah, you can get it on the way out. And I did and still have it to this day. You're a good person to have a lethal weapon with, so it's, yeah. you know you're not going to use it. That's true. Uh, force for bad. It's only going to be a force for good. Well, they didn't know that. Well, they probably looked at me and knew that. But <laughs> and then Justin, I didn't mean to leave you hanging after your parka in in the bar comment. You know me. I'm a certified hot boy. I'm literally sweating right now, and it's like 80 degrees today in Portland, and it's been very very hot. So that's truly my nightmare. If I'm wearing a parka inside, I need to have all black on underneath that parka because I'm going to be sweating like I'm in a sauna. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you hundred percent. It's like a whole, that's like a whole discussion. Like you're going out to the bar, you're like, man, it's cold, but I don't want to wear too heavy of a coat to wear too heavy of a coat and be sweating all the time. And he bananas is just like, whatever. I don't even, I, I can wear whatever coat I want. I don't sweat at all. My hair is always perfect. He did have a hat on. Trevor, can I ask you, cause they were in like a, uh, like Roman, like bath and bar in the basement, do you think it was like 40 degrees? Yeah, so these cellars are very common in Czech Republic, and there is slight wind flow through the cobblestones that come through. Um, and we call it the breath of the mother in law because it's so cold and it does just creep down on the back of your neck. Uh, and that's just what we call it in Czech Republic, but it's a cultural thing. Bananas probably wasn't aware of that. I believe he's from Chicago College in Central Pennsylvania. Uh, lives on the West Coast now. So common, you know, common mistake for foreigners to not realize that would be the case. I thought we would have wrapped this episode up about 15 minutes ago, but it's really the gift that keeps on giving. To to bring us home, I'll give you my star of the episode. And my star is swimming lessons. So it's a rite of passage. <laughs> it's It's a rite of passage in the challenge where contestants who really struggle uh, on an aquatics challenge in a previous season come back and they can't wait to say it out loud in a confessional that they devoted a lot of time to learning how to swim and to taking swimming lessons in the off season. And almost every single time those exact contestants are put to the test and they have to swim. It looks like they received approximately zero swimming lessons. So today we had both D and Nelson continue to look like they absolutely do not know how to swim Swaggy just looked like he went in full-blown panic mode, but I thought we'd been able to see him swim before. But anyway, I guarantee you those swimming instructors in LA or wherever they're taking them are charging celebrities, you know, over a hundred dollars an hour to teach him how to swim. And if I'm D or I'm Nelson, I am writing a very harshly worded email today after the episode asking for all of my money back or threatening to leave them a one-star review on Yelp with a video of me on the challenge. <laughs> I'm curious to see next week if, if Swaggy can swim or not. Because they hinted at, like, it's one of those hanging challenges where they'll, like, fall into water. That's like a survival thing after, right? It's, like, it's trivia. So they're just going to fall in the water and then, like, swim to the shore to, like, get out of it. Justin mentioned it next week. We are so excited because we get trivia. I really hope it's not just challenge trivia and that we get some actual geography, a little bit of math, a little bit of pop culture, whatever it may be because it's one way for us to all immediately feel better about ourselves. So we love the trivia episode. And speaking of episodes, that concludes ours for today. So thank you, as always, for joining us on We Have the Numbers. 
You always have a blast. And like we said, can't believe this is already halfway open on this or over, excuse me, on this season of Total Madness. Before we leave, another reminder to uh, subscribe to our pod on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Anchor, to follow us on Instagram at We Have the Numbers Pod, and to check out our Twitter at WHTN Pod. Justin's been tweeting up a storm there and it's been blowing up. So, anyway, we will see you next time.